Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, there were some nervous fans in Starkville there for a little while, and it's not because they were worried that they were going to sweat through their shirt. Mississippi State and Southern were tied at six, but thanks to a three-run bottom of the seventh, Mississippi State has taken what should be a commanding lead in that ball game, and now Cole Gordon has taken the mound for the Bulldogs. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. At least for now, this afternoon, Brian Haydad, whenever this game wraps up, whenever the post-game stuff wraps up, he will leave Duty Noble and join us. Luke Johnson will get on the phone with us as well uh, to recap what, at least still right now, is an absolute beatdown that Southern Miss is putting on Arizona State right now. It's great to be with you on this Friday afternoon. We're talking regionals. uh, A lot of stuff to get to today, and it's going to be a bit of a fluid show. That's the word I'm going to use today. A lot of moving parts because we have a lot of moving people and games that are going on currently, but we're really glad you're here, and Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, and you can text the show if you'd like, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line, but please do not text and drive. So we'll have recaps for you, we'll have previews for you, and by the way, the SEC did approve beer sales in stadiums beginning this season, however... Doesn't sound like Mississippi State is going to jump on board. More on that later. First, Rippy. Some upsets, at least, are closer games than expected going on around the country right now. State, all they can handle, although State appears to be in control now with Cole Gordon up, like you said, three-run lead. But, yeah, some stuff happening. It's an interesting time of the year because, I mean, a lot of times, particularly in these games, when you get an inferior team throwing their best guy, it's not as far of a gap as you think is that the guy kind of puts together an outing so yeah a lot of stuff going on there today so right now let's just start there with mississippi state they're in the top of the eighth uh jt again left the game early with you didn't know at the time you knew that the way he left because he was warming up um in between innings after so going into the fourth inning i guess he pitched three complete um left the game and there was really no rhyme or reason it was before he actually started in that fourth inning and I guess they called it arm soreness and he maybe could have gone but they erred on the side of caution so uh, hopefully knock on wood it's not anything significant but it they were calling it arm soreness he left the game then they bring in Smith and then Lee Belt has also pitched and now Cole Gordon so even though it is the top of the eighth they have a three-run lead against Southern they should be able to finish this game out they threw their arms today. They got into their bullpen in a game in which they were hoping they wouldn't have to get into their bullpen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just difficult to plan for a scenario like that, right? I mean, you're not, you're not, I guess, planning for your ace to obviously leave the game early with an injury, and then you just kind of go into 
I guess, survival mode after that. I mean, State's good enough to beat Southern probably with whatever they throw out there. But with the way the game was going, you don't really want to mess around. So obviously probably didn't want to dig into the bullpen there, but you know, kind of got to do what you got to do when a freak scenario happens like that. Yeah, and even though you you didn't like this to begin with, not because you expected him to get hurt, obviously, and this may very well have worked out if that never happened. I mean, he was cruising up until that point, but you never liked that from the beginning, JT Ginn pitching today. No, and it, it I'm not even necessarily sure if it's like... Like I, I, I guess I understand the move if you trust Plumley more in a third game, but if you're holding your ace, like I mean, could I, I don't know State's roster well enough, like to know if they had a fourth guy that they could throw out there. I just found that I don't for whatever reason I found the move with going again like odd. I, I'm not like not in the, not even necessarily that it wouldn't work. I just like when thinking about what they might do pitching wise against a four C that that's not really a scenario I envision, but. Obviously, it may have worked out. You just really can't really plan for you know him leaving the game that abruptly with an injury. Well, that uh, number four starter also threw today. I mean, they, they uh, kind of had to not empty the pen because they obviously have more than four arms, but they had to use their arms today. Uh, so this is uh, you got to get the win, and that's the point. And after JT Ginn gets hurt, you have no choice in a close game, especially when Southern tied it up, to throw your best arms, but. Yeah, I mean, they have used the presumed Game 4 starter, and now JT Ginn, who knows his status for the weekend, he probably can't come back on short rest for, for a Monday game if it comes down to that. Now you've got Cole Gordon on the mound. I mean, it is It could not have gone worse from a pitching standpoint for them in Game 1 against Southern today at all. Could not have gone worse. But uh, other scores around the country, of course, Southern Miss, as I said. The last time I checked, I'll refresh it just to make sure, but it was 12-2. to uh, Southern Miss was beating up on Arizona State. That is thanks in part to a 12-run top of the fifth, and 10 of those runs came with two outs. It was pretty, pretty remarkable and uh, really good showing so far for Southern Miss. So looking at the Atlanta Regional, uh, where Georgia Tech is, Auburn, Scored 16 runs in a 16-5 win over Coastal Carolina. Uh, in the bottom of the eighth, NC State, the top 20-ranked NC State team, a team that was in the hosting conversation, losing to Campbell in the bottom of the eighth in the Greenville, North Carolina Regional. In Athens, Florida State is beaten up on Florida Atlantic. Uh, Indiana State and McNeese are in a tight one in the bottom of the eighth in Nashville. Southern Miss still holding on to that big lead is now the bottom of the seventh, 12 to 2. The Golden Eagles, yeah, five run top of the 12th, Rippy, and uh, just killing the baseball. Uh, everybody had hits. Uh, Matt Walner had a moonshot three run home run to cap off that inning. His first postseason home run in his career. We talked about this on the podcast earlier in the week with Colin and I, and it may have been Wednesday when we had fit on, but we were just trying to go through like. You know, potential hosts that could be in trouble or a two or a three seed that you think could make a run. And man, the way Southern's playing ball right now, and then you're going to end up with what? You'll probably end up with Powers against Cole Henry tomorrow against LSU. Are you really like discounting Southern's chances in that game? I'm not. No, not at all. Or excuse me, Walker Powell. Sorry. But yeah, like I, I wouldn't 
that could get interesting because LSU's pitching doesn't really scare you. And the fact that I believe they're going with Landon Marceau today, I thought that was an interesting move as well. So Southern's playing really well right now, and that's probably a fairly scary team to deal with in that regional. Because I imagine that when LSU got their draw, they thought, man, that kind of sucks we got Arizona State, but that's obviously not necessarily the case. And and Shepard showed his electric stuff today. I mean, they said on the gun he was touching 97 in the first inning against Arizona State today, and that's just a freshman. How many did he go? I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Do you know? He went five and two thirds. He had um, he gave up six hits, two the the two earned runs, uh, four Ks to three walks. I know the offense obviously backed him up, but that's about all you can ask for when you're kind of holding your guy. I know they're not necessarily holding him because because he had to pitch Sunday. But man, when you don't have your like work like your horse on the mound, that guy giving you five and two thirds, that's about all you can ask for. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that one, even though I don't think we're going to have to keep uh, much of an eye on that one moving forward. Luke Johnson will join us whenever that game wraps up. So I can't give you a definitive time, but uh, a few minutes after that game ends, we'll get him on the phone to do a full recap. He's going to work for us from the beach. He's hanging out on the coast somewhere, riding boats around, but he's watching the game and he'll recap it with us uh, once that ends, Nebraska's got a two-run lead on Connecticut in the Stillwater Regional. Well, I guess they're playing in Oklahoma City, but the uh, Oklahoma State Regional um, in Starfield. You still have this game going on with Mississippi State and Southern. It's top of the eighth, still a nine-to-six lead for Mississippi State. Arkansas has a four-run lead over Central Connecticut in the top of the sixth in their regional. They also elected to play the early game uh, for whatever that may be worth to you. Uh, North Carolina also played the early game, have a two-run lead over Wilmington in the bottom of the fifth. Illinois State is beating Indiana, top six in Louisville, and that is it for your scores right now across the country. So a little bit of fireworks uh, early on. What kind of uh, setup did you have, Rippy? Did you do the multiple TV thing, or have you been as locked into the early slate, uh, even though we don't really have that many marquee matchups? I had to do a bunch of different random errands this morning, but I tried to get back for about an hour or two this afternoon, and I just had one game on the TV and one on my computer. So just a just that? Yeah, just one. I didn't have time to like mess with the quad box and all that. I'll probably get into that this weekend if I get some, you know, if Ole Miss gets a night game and I have all day or something like that, you know. But definitely a fun time of the year. I enjoy watching all these regional games. It's kind of like you can turn on and find a close game or some kind of high leverage situation pretty much any time you flip the remote. Jeff is asking for some NBA Finals recap. We'll do that next because that was that was a lot of fun last night. So Jeff, we'll give you what you want. Uh, most of the state fans are watching their game anyway. Uh, and Clemson has a one to nothing lead over Illinois. And that game just got underway Oh, about 15 minutes ago in Oxford. So we'll keep you up up to date with all of the scores. We will also get into the SEC passed the beer law, but there's a hang-up in the state of Mississippi on top of Mississippi State will not, at least as of right now, even try to get past the state law that would ban it on top of the SEC's now-removed ban. They don't want to take part of it. So we'll break it all down with you as well on today's show. Hey, Dad coming. Luke Johnson coming. NBA Finals recap coming. Mississippi State got a big transfer wide receiver. We'll tell you who that is and a whole lot more coming your way at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Southern is still putting on the pressure in Starkville. However, a strikeout on 
What was probably a pitch that was outside, but Cole Gordon gets the strikeout to end the inning. There was runners on second and third, Rippy, with one out, right? And he struck out the next two batters to end the frame and go bottom eight, preserving that three-run lead. Yeah, that was a huge spot in the game there because, like you said, Southern had second and third with one out, and then he gets back-to-back Ks, and I believe both of them looking, squeezed them both on the outside corner, but... There have been a couple kind of turning points in this game. That kid at, at Southern that made that kept it a two-run game, he made the stab at uh, shortstop when it was 6-4, to four, and then, of course, the home run. This has been kind of a fun game. Obviously, probably Mississippi State people haven't thought it was <laughs> that fun so far, but looks like they got it under control. But, man, Southern can swing it. All is well that ends well, I guess, but burning those arms that hopefully for them it doesn't come back to bite them that just did not go as planned today and it started with uh, the unfortunate seemingly not serious but the unfortunate early departure of JT Ginn uh, in the third inning of that game the official attendance for whatever it's worth 8800 8826 and that is because it's the NCAA that's not like one of the inflated numbers that you get that is actually how many butts reached a seat today in Starkville so a noon start on a work day you still put 8,800 people in your stadium. It's not too bad. Not bad. They need Ethan Small to be Ethan Small tomorrow. They need him to go 7 or 8 and kind of preserve the pin a little bit. Because if they win tomorrow, they're fine as is. Like, But they they don't need another, uh, another bullpen-type day tomorrow. And I wouldn't anticipate getting one with the way Small's pitched against literally everyone this year. Southern Miss has added another run. It is now 15-2 to over Arizona State. I mean... Uh, you were keen on Southern in this game. I mean, you even uh, took part in their money line on this one. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know something about them. Like it, it just, like, but it, nobody if they saw got to fifteen to game, two coming, did they? No, but like, if, if they got to the second, uh, I just thought if they got to the second game, like Walker Power against whoever through LSU throughout there, that could get interesting. I didn't really know necessarily how this one would go, but obviously they've. They've they've really put this one away quick. Did you say so? I missed the beginning of that game. You said it was a twelve run fourth inning. Uh, twelve run fifth, and ten of them came with two outs. That's odd. That is something. And it was it was capped by that Walner bomb, and it was a I mean, bomb. Like I I, I haven't seen them. I hope we can get the the stat track numbers on those because it hit the um, is the scoreboard in left or right field? I can't remember, but it hit. The thing that is behind the stands that goes straight up in right field. Is that the scoreboard there or is that just like more advertising signs? Either way, that, it cleared the stands in right field. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the one. where I believe that's the, the scoreboard's in left. I believe that's the sign to show you how many national titles they have. He clanged it off of that or he hit it over that? Yeah, clanged it off of that. I that's mean, just a, a moonshot. Yeah, that's a poke. I don't. That, not too many balls do that. Uh, Ole Miss has their lineup out. I guess there's no changes except for, I mean, we were talking about this earlier in the week with uh, Tyler Keenan's shoulder injury and and whether or not that was going to be serious or or keep him out this weekend. It appears that that is not the case. Uh, This is the regular order here, right? Rippy with Dillard, Kessinger, Keenan, Zabowski at first in this one, Uh, Olenek, Graham, Johnson, Servideo, and Adams. Is that pretty, pretty typical? Yeah, I mean, when facing a right-hander, that is essentially what you're going to get with this lineup, and it took them a while to settle into it, but this is kind of what they've run out there against right-handed pitching this year. So, yeah, pretty no, no really surprises at all. I mean, it's 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 pretty standard. 
So now why Zabowski in the field and Graham DHing as opposed to the opposite, which seemed to work pretty well this year? Um, if there's ever a situation where you have to go a Linux pitching, and most of the time it's the ninth inning, it doesn't matter. But like if they were to find themselves in a tie game and for whatever reason they need a Linux to pitcher in the ninth, you lose the DH. And so I don't, I think Mike kind of figured out like I can't really afford to lose Zabowski by DHing, and so we need to play him in the field. And that's probably coupled with that Zabowski's played better in the field over the last three weeks. So probably a little bit of combination of both there. We got a tie game in game one in the Oxford Regional, Illinois and, and Clemson. Um, hopefully, for your sake and, and all the Ole Miss fans, maybe listening to this on their way to the ballpark. Uh, hopefully, there's no extra innings because Lord knows Brian Scott Rippey doesn't want a late first pitch tonight. Yeah, that would be tough. Uh, hopefully, he didn't just jinx it there. Although Rowdy <laughs> Jordan, it appears, just hit one a mile. State's up eleven to six now. See, you're ahead of me. I love this stream. Uh, the the access that the SEC Network and Watch ESPN have given us for college baseball has been pretty incredible. And there aren't that many states that really care about this, but just think back pre-SEC Network, what you had to do to watch your baseball team. I mean, you had to rely on your school stream that you had to pay for. That wasn't as good, but they were, they were good. They weren't as good as this. And if they went on the road, you were out of luck. Just completely out of luck. You couldn't watch the team. And yeah, oh my goodness, he hit that ball a mile. Yeah, that uh, that one was crushed. I don't think he missed that. It, it looked like he didn't even swing through it either. Like he just kind of poked the bat out there and hit it like 370, 380 down the right field line. This kid for Southern's got a funky delivery. You kind of imagine that when they get deep in the bullpens on these four seeds, especially one from the SWAC, you know, just a little bit different. Ole Miss could see a kid like that if, if they get Illinois tomorrow. Uh, that Fisher kid kind of like changes arm slots and tries to deceive a little bit. I mean, it kind of a little bit what Small does, but obviously he doesn't have like the velocity Small has. This kid's more of kind of like a nibble at the plate, like 84, 86 type of kid. Which is kind of their kryptonite, isn't it? Yeah, and he throws with his left hand. I mean, that fits the the <laughs> East Carolina Jake Kuchmaner profile. Like, and, and the kid from the kid presumably that Clemson would start isn't much different throws a little harder but not very much so like either way Ole Miss is going to have to face their kryptonite like you just said it to to some degree and anyway I completely lost my train of thought but what I was saying is I love the stream and the platform is incredible but and this is very first world problems this is very millennial complaining but if you are on Twitter and you are watching the game when you have guys like Brian Haydad, who we love dearly, tweeting basically everything that happens in the game, you know what happens before you watch it on TV. So you can't be on Twitter while watching Mississippi State games because Haydad gives you very thorough, very good, very frequent updates. It's like you have to stay off Twitter and then when something happens, you go on Twitter. And then, like, I guess react after. But yeah, that's tough when the stream's behind. And I'm like, I'm a good three minutes behind you. I wonder why that is. Is it just like the Wi-Fi or is like, how does it's, that? Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, radio is always going to be fastest. Uh, and then TV, terrestrial cable, I guess, will be second. And then any kind of streaming will be significantly behind. It's definitely worth it, though. Like, it's made it a lot easier to watch games and stuff. Like you said a while ago, I mean, remember when we were 
wait, what, five, ten years ago before all this happened, like you were like like you said, if the team you were rooting for or wanted to watch went on the road, like you're hoping that the opposing team has like some kind of paid stream that was usually very like unreliable, probably two camera guys, guys probably shaking and sneezing. <laughs> or just nothing at all. Like it was, it, like you said, it's very sketchy. So having like a set set way to watch pretty much every game, um, particularly with SEC play, uh, is is certainly nice. Man, when I was, and I'm not that old. I, I, I mean, I'm 27. And when I was in college, we had to pay per view multiple games, like to watch our team. In co- when I was in college, not that long ago, five years ago. We had to pay forty bucks to watch a, a pirate, like not a pirated feed, but it looked like a pirated feed of a college football game. I mean, I think yeah. it, it, there, that's not even a, a thing anymore, except unless you're in the Big Twelve, where Oklahoma and everybody else, if they play like Army last year, if you remember, Army took Oklahoma to overtime. Nobody could watch that game. It just you, you couldn't watch it. That's not an SEC problem. No, it's not. But yeah, it wasn't really that long ago. Like you said, I mean, to your point, you like paid the forty bucks, and you're like, man, I really hope this is not going to the announcers because this is, this is brutal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly more convenient, even if it is a little behind. We'll recap the NBA Finals next. Is that? I mean, I think you and I both predicted Raptors win last night, but Golden State wins the series. So yeah, we'll, that's kind of how I saw it going. I mean, Raptors had everything go right for them. I think it'll be a fun competitive series. I still like Golden State, though. Yeah, it just feels like everything went right. So we'll recap that next. We will continue updating you on scores in baseball. Southern Miss has a 15-2 lead. Mississippi State will go to the ninth with a significant lead. All is well that ends well, but a couple arms that were burned for Mississippi State today that they would have preferred not to. We'll continue talking about this next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Well, Mississippi State is one out away from entering the winner's bracket in their regional. Didn't feel that way for a while, but it looks like it's going to end in favor of the Bulldogs. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Getting you ready for regional baseball tonight. Recapping regional baseball that's been going on all day and a whole lot more. If you want to be a part of the show, you can on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. C Spire does remind you to please do not text and drive. We want you to be a part of the show today, but we want to do or want you to do so safely. Richard and Wiggins sends us a picture of uh, some shrimp that he's about to eat and said he's celebrating me closing on the house. Which, by the way, Rippy, I know you, you haven't gone into the home buying process yet, and you'll do that eventually. Um, hire a moving company. Don't. I know that's really obvious advice, but don't try to do it all yourself. Just don't. Did you, just don't. Did you try to do that, sounds like? Yeah, and I mean, we closed Wednesday, and I figured, you know, Wednesday, if I can get into the new place by Saturday night, that is, you know, three days where I can just go back and forth, and it'll be great. I don't have to move everything at once. We have a trailer. I've got some buddies that are helping me. It's all good. Awful idea. Just pay somebody I'll... to do it for you. Box up all your stuff and have somebody come in and pick it up and put it in their truck and then put it in your house. Doesn't matter how much money that it saves you to do it my way. Not worth it. I'll definitely keep that one in mind. 
Michael. How, uh, so how, uh, like, how, how, like, was it longer process? Like, are you moved in? What's, what percentage are you at right now? Oh, 40. Well, and if you, if yeah, if you had hired the moving company, would you be a hundred? Yeah, I would have. And, and also, I, I was going to take yesterday and today off, which would have made it a whole lot easier. But Richard decided to uh, go get a really cool job and call games for television. Uh, um, so he's doing that this weekend, which kind of threw a wrench into my plans. But yeah, the thing is, all that I have left is stuff that I need. So my power didn't get turned on in the new house until I got the notification, like three minutes ago. That's why I brought this up here. Um, I'm not getting cable or internet until Monday. So I've tried to keep everything essential for living in the old house until I can, because I have like a wedding to go to tomorrow and I'll just watch the regional games at a buddy's house to, to knock out time. But tomorrow morning, all I've got left is like our bed, one big dresser, washer, dryer, fridge, and a couch. And that's basically it. But the problem is everything that's at the new house needs to be put away and up. I mean, we've done nothing but move for the last three days. Just move stuff. We haven't yet to even begin unpacking and putting it in its appropriate place. And this is like the stage where the old house almost becomes eerie because there's nothing in it. Like you're walking around like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, yeah. Can you, the, can you hear the echoes yet? And I, I, I tried to – I used an echo remover for the podcast I did on Thursday because, yeah, I mean, every little thing makes so much more noise now. I mean, last night I woke up in the middle of the night because I thought someone was breaking in and it was really just my wife's cat just, like, walking around. But I can actually hear him now because there's nothing in the house. Yeah, see, that's always weird. Like, I remember in, like, college moving out of a place and, like, there were two in- different instances where I was moving from one place to another and I was the last person out of the old house. So, like, for four or five days – I would just have like my room and then nothing else in the house. And it was, it was one depressing and two, like just very weird. Like I, I did not enjoy it. The game just went final. Mississippi State wins 11 to 6 over Southern. So, like I said, uh, uh, I guess a couple segments ago, all is, when that it, all is well that ends well. And Mississippi State got a win and they're in the winner's bracket and they'll see what happens tonight with Central Michigan and Miami and they'll play tomorrow and it, it's all good. But the pitchers that they had to use in this game, JT Ginn only lasted three innings because of soreness. They used Smith, Lee Belt, and Cole Gordon today. What does that do for them over the weekend now? I would say two orders of business are one. Hopefully you can find out that Ginn's injury is nothing serious that might not cost him, you know, future future weekends or next weekend really is what I'm talking about. And then two, you need you need Ethan Small to go deep tomorrow. Like if like I imagine if Lamonis and I could be totally wrong in striking out on this, but I imagine if like say he's at like ninety eight pitches through seven and he's still cruising, he might try to squeeze an eighth out of him or six instead of seven or six and going to a seventh. Like they're gonna need him to kind of carry him carry them on their back tomorrow. And obviously if, if if state hits the ball and you know gets up four or five nothing, that would certainly help with that. But they're gonna need him to go deep in the game. Southern Miss is up 15-2, to two, headed to the bottom of the ninth. So awesome showing for the Golden Eagles so far and uh, held their starter. So we will have a pretty premier matchup tomorrow on the mound, Rippy, uh, with Southern Miss and LSU. If yeah, so LSU had... wins, of course. And Stony Brook has gone in there and beaten them before, so shouldn't count those chickens before they hatch. But for all intents and purposes, let's just call it what it is. 
Yeah, you got to wonder if the committee probably had a little bit of fun with assigning that four seed. Like, I'm sure it like made sense and worked out, but if it was between one other team and Stony Brook, like you know, they were probably sending Stony Brook. But yeah, I, I think it, like I I assume Cole Henry's going tomorrow if LSU is indeed throwing Marceau tonight, which I'm pretty sure I read earlier this week. But yeah, that. That would be worth the price of admission. That that could potentially be a fun one, and I'd give Southern Miss a pretty good chance in that game. Yeah, that'll be uh, really exciting. So two wins. We'll go ahead and count this Southern Miss game as a win. Do you think Arizona State has 13 runs in them in the bottom of the ninth? I, uh, I'll go ahead and just call it that. So two wins so far today in the state of Mississippi. We will get Luke Johnson on the phone at 4 o'clock. So tentatively right now, we'll, we will recap that game in full. Uh, at 4.05 if you want to hear that. And then Haydad will be joining us whenever postgame wraps up and he, he gets done with his postgame report. So we'll recap the state game with him. But right now, I want to put a pause on baseball because we did get asked for this. So don't yell at me, yell at Jeff, because Jeff wanted to hear this. NBA Finals last night. Toronto. This, the... The crowd shots not in the arena were incredible. The streets, what did they say, Rippy? That there were 30 separate viewing parties that were in the streets. So like a, a massive projector in the middle of the road and just thousands of people in 30 different locations around the city. It was just an awesome night last night, and Toronto gets the win. Yeah, I don't know if tortured franchise is the right word, but they've had a lot of really good regular season teams that have really just kind of petered out in the playoffs, and now they're finally getting rewarded for it, and... Well, it's just, what a weird, and I mean this in a good way, but what a weird dynamic where you have what is presumably a rental in Kawhi Leonard, like taking this like log starving city towards the title. Like, like what happens if this goes seven and they lose and Kawhi is a clipper? Like, does he still get his jersey in the Raptors? Like, how did, like, how does that work? And then on second that, he's really, really good. But last night was the Pascal Siakam game, 32 points. On and what? you said yesterday that I mean he he and you were right. I'm not making fun of you. You were absolutely right. He's been bad in the playoffs after a really good regular season. And last night in the finals, he uh, 14 of 17 shooting. He had eight boards and five assists for good measure and 32 points. Yeah, I really ate crow on that one. Um, but no, I, but you, you were see, right. You were exactly right though. This came out of nowhere. But what's going to be interesting is how where do they go from here? Because Kawhi had an uncharacteristically bad night. He was, what, 5 of 14. He ended up with like 23, 24 points because he went to the free throw line a bunch. But so you but that, can look at it kind one of, of his two game, ways. Though, you know, I mean, he's always been that way. He was that way in San Antonio. Yeah, so you look at this one of two ways. is like, okay, Siakam kind of kept him afloat when Kawhi had an off night shooting. Or the other way is like, they still kind of barely won that game, and literally everything went their way. So, like, what do you have left in the tank in game two? And then once, what's what you like? Game one, there's always there's the adjustments from game one to game two are always fascinating because, like, I don't think the Warriors are necessarily ready for that perimeter defense the Raptors were playing, and I imagine they'll do something drastically different to combat that in the second game. So that's why I still kind of like Golden State in this series, but like how Golden State adjusts to that, it will be interesting. If they if Golden State does go down 2-0, then I'll really start believing that maybe they're actually in trouble. Why did they even try to play DeMarcus Cousins? He, he's, he was clearly not ready. Why did they even try? <sighs> I don't know. Like, I, I did. Did he just really... say that he wanted to play in the finals and just put me in, coach? I know I'm hurt, but just let me play in an NBA finals. But like, they didn't need the size. 
And so I didn't understand that, and they had been fine with this rotation they had. Like, ever since that, ever since Kevin Durant went out, it's been kind of like the old 2015 Warriors, and it's been awesome, and they've been killing everybody. And then you insert Boogie in there. It was just a strange move, and he didn't really... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he didn't really have much of an impact on the game. Like playing eight I, minutes I, at three points up, was minus one. Yeah, I just I, I mean he didn't like kill them, but it just created this odd dynamic, and like they certainly didn't need it. I don't know, it was weird, but good for Toronto. And then of course Drake is chirping, uh, chirping Draymond when they walk off the court. Apparently Drake can just do whatever he wants because he's Drake. Yeah, I mean, when does that happen? Yeah, and Draymond was like, I don't really mind it. I was like, if, if that was anyone else but Drake, you would certainly be upset. But the thing is, Drake is apparently now this Raptor super fan, and he has Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's jersey numbers tattooed on his body. Yeah, they're, uh, Golden State's going to have to have the bench be better. They're, they're not going to stand much of a chance if they get that from their bench the rest of the way. Back to baseball at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Stick around. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky and Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. I'm going to complain a little bit because I'm trying to keep up with everything in the baseball world today right now. It's the NCAA tournament, right? Pretty big deal. The national championship tournament is going on, and I cannot find one place that efficiently keeps up with the scores that are accurate in real time. I can't find one place. I mean, the ESPN scroll is late. I mean, I'm talking the the score that I have pulled up for the Southern Miss game is two innings behind. Southern Miss just closed out a 15 to three win over Arizona State. They had 17 hits in the ball game. We'll recap that with Luke Johnson here in a few minutes. But ESPN's giving me a score two innings behind, and I'm looking at D1 Baseball, who they do a really good job, but. The updates come very slowly because, as Rippy will tell you, it's two people doing it manually. Why can baseball not have... I'm not saying that you do what they do for the March for March Madness where you can pull up every game on one website and it's all streamlined and, and apps and all that stuff. But just give me a page where all the scores are updated in real time. That's all I'm asking for. Why is that so hard? That is a good question. Is it, I mean it. I guess because there's so much going on at once. Like I don't like I don't know the difference between this and basketball and what makes hoops easier. Is it every game's on national television? That's probably got to be part of it. Like, well, here's here's how or here's the reason. Because they make a billion dollars on basketball a year. That's how, or that's yeah, why. That, that's fair point. See, and I went to the NCAA's website, same thing. Just everything's behind. It's, I mean, it's fine, but everything's it's behind. And you can't get runners on base or anything like that. It, it's, it's a joke. But for whatever it's worth, uh, Clemson now has a 4-2 to lead over Illinois in the Oxford Regional. Um, we get a text here, and you can text the show, 601-879-4395. We were talking NBA Finals and... Uh, we had a text here from the 662 that says, Drake is the biggest bandwagon fan on earth. He probably has an Alabama tattoo. So is the, not to go back to basketball to, That's okay. you know, anger the listenership, but is the, like, 
Like this curse that I keep hearing about with Drake, is that now over because they've made the finals? What is the status of that? If they lose in a really, really heartbreaking way, then it's still on. But if they just lose in six games and they played tough but just didn't have the horses, I guess it's gone. But this is like the one team Drake has not been a front runner for, right? Like he's been a Raptors fan for a while because he obviously he's Canadian, I'm assuming. Yeah, like, but he also has Steph Curry and Clay Thompson tattooed on his body. And he has like numerous like Kentucky Hoops jersey, probably a Tom Brady jersey somewhere. He's the Kenny um, Chesney of professional sports. Kenny Chesney, the SB Nation, and this is so funny. I'll try to, to send it to you and tweet it if I can find it. Um, where they do a Kenny Chesney fan tracker. Anytime he is pictured either at a concert or, or in interviews or whatever, wearing a team's like color or shirt or whatever, they track what team he's now a fan of. And they've gotten to like 38 or 39 different teams where he has said that he... He's a fan of or, or is wearing like their jersey or a shirt or something out in public. It's like 38 or 39. It's so interesting, uh, like the stuff that happens in basketball that like you couldn't get away with everything else because he did like massaging uh, Nick Nurse's, the Raptors coach's shoulders after one of the conference final games. Like what would happen in the like AFC title game if like, I don't know, like Eddie Vedder just went over and started massaging Belichick's shoulders on the sidelines. Like, how would that go over? Belichick like, would turn around and punch him in the throat. Yeah, he'd probably try to like strangle him with his hoodie. Like, it would be utter insanity. But like, did like that even like that didn't even like make a blip in the news cycle barely when when Drake did it. The NBA is just different, I guess. It they is. Just let different. that kind of stuff fly. I don't know. I guess that's part of what makes it popular, though. That and trying to figure out what account that is tweeting in favor of Kevin Durant is uh, one of his burners. Yeah, the NBA is not really covered as much as it is cheer-led. I don't even know if that's a word. Yeah, that that counts. Close enough. At least I think so. By the way, Zion signed with an agent. Speaking of the NBA, this will be the last NBA thing we say today. I promise we will circle right back to baseball. And then we will also uh, give you the details about the, NC- or the SEC approving the sale of beer and wine in their stadium starting this year, but Mississippi State will not be participating in that practice. We'll tell you why and explain everything here coming up. But Zion signed with an agent, and it is Drew Brees' agent. Not LeBron. How cool was that? Good call there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, CAA. They have, I mean, it's a, it's a huge agency, so it's not like it's just Drew Brees' agent. But yeah, Drew Brees... The current king of New Orleans and Zion, the basketball king of New Orleans already, are now going to share an agent, so it doesn't really sound like he's that disappointed about being there, but eh, maybe that's just me. It's not It's not Rich Paul, and he's not going back to Duke are the two things you probably need to know about this. <laughs> Luke Johnson will join us next to recap Southern Miss, and when he's gone, Hey Dad will be here to recap Mississippi State. We still have a preview for Miss Jacksonville State coming up and the details on this alcohol thing. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And right now on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team as a really happy, I imagine, Luke Johnson. Not necessarily because Southern Miss just beat the brakes off of Arizona State. 
but he's watching and calling in from the beach. Where are you, man? Orange Beach, Alabama. I had the uh, the best seats probably in Alex Box today, so it was really nice. <laughs> I'm glad you invited us. I, I I hated I had to say no, but I, I appreciated you including Rippy and I on our uh, on this beach trip you're taking. Well, Rippy deserves it because he just finished like his fourth degree. Uh, you, on the other hand, you need to grind out and get moved into that new house. <laughs> Thank you. And if I'd have known you were going, I might have just showed up without an invite. Wouldn't be the first time. Come on. <laughs> I just saw a video of the water home run. My God. Ben McDonald said that was the third law, uh, furthest home run he'd ever seen hit in the box. Uh, Kendall Rogers was talking to somebody in the press box. LSU people said that was the only one that was hit longer than that, and LSU guy did it. I mean, he hit it over the diamond deck, uh, the bottom third of that intimidator sign. I mean, he, he kind of watched it, and, you know, I think he deserved to after you hit that. That, that just was – kind of culminated that inning you know if if you take out the um if you take out the top of the fifth which lasted 45 minutes uh the game would be tied right now we'd be in extra innings uh eagles got three in the top of the eighth on a danny lynch home run but i've never apart from the 2016 uh regional and i've been watching southern miss baseball all my life i've never seen an inning like that you score 12 runs on 10 hits you bat around you send 15 batters to the plate it was unbelievable to watch so, I know going into this, you hoped that they would win the game, but did you see this kind of offensive output, especially because the team we watched all year didn't really have this in them? So, what happened today? A little nervous. Uh, Alec Marsh, the starting pitcher for uh, Arizona State, he beat Oregon State in a complete game. He had kept UCLA to three runs and lost uh, a close one. Uh, Eagles were down one to nothing going into the top of the fifth, and they started getting to Marsh, I think, some of that Baton Rouge weather had to do with it, but the kid went uh, over 100 pitches in the fifth inning, and, and they just when you, when you look down that that fifth inning, it was just getting on. Uh, they they had scored one run on two hits with no outs. They scored one run on one hit with one out, and then with two outs in the inning, six hits and ten runs. Uh, it's just kind of head scratching when you look at that. They just hit the ball when they needed to. Uh, Storm Cooper is a kid. He, he really didn't start playing to the conference tournament. He's a senior. was batting 150 on the year. He let off the top of the fifth with a solo shot to left. Then his second time that inning, got an infield single with two RBIs. That, that leadoff home run really energized. Uh, John Cox was talking about it also, how energized the bench uh, then became. And then they wrap off 12, uh, 12 runs in the top of the fifth, and you look up and you're, and you're, uh, you're leading 12 to 1. So now what? Uh, when you're looking, obviously you would prefer Stony Brook beat LSU, but what's your take on that potential matchup tomorrow uh, with LSU in Alex Box? Do you think the team's prepared for that kind of environment? Yeah, I mean, you never count Stony Brook out <laughs> because of uh, what's happened before. But, but yeah, what the Golden Eagles did today, Gabe Shepard, the true freshman that no-hit rice last week, uh, he threw today and, and uh, was over 100 pitches through five and two-thirds, but was incredible. It even touched like 97 in, in the first few innings. Uh, J.C. Keys came on and did outstanding out of the bullpen. So what that means is uh, one of your best relievers, Cody Carroll, you didn't throw him today. Uh, another uh, but the big piece tomorrow, what you've got is you've got your Friday night ace, Walker Powell, who's already thrown three complete games this year. He will throw game two. 
it's a situation Southern Miss hadn't been in um, simply because, like last year, uh, you threw Sandlin in game one against Dallas Baptist, and then you know you put Powers out there against Arkansas. So you have on your staff right now, statistics-wise, your best arm going uh, in game two, and that's a place where Southern Miss hasn't really been before in a regional. So tell us a little bit more about Gabe Shepard, because uh, Kendall Rogers, who's on the show a good bit with us, was blown away by his stuff today. He said on his gun he was touching 97. Uh, Just a a true freshman, where did he come from? He's from Mobile and uh, had Tommy John his senior year. Uh, it was was dynamic. Had like a point four ERA. It's, he, his K to innings was like double, uh, and it was just a kid. Uh, he's not that big. I mean, he's probably five eight, five nine. Uh, got fully released uh, midway through the season. So he he had been given a couple spot starts. He would throw on a Sunday, you know, two or three innings, uh, but really wasn't released until uh, early to, to mid April, and so. Uh, that's why he was able to throw five against Troy in the midweek finale, and then they, they let him throw 90 pitches against Rice last week. I think he threw 112 today. He's dynamic. He's a four-pitch uh, four guy, and, and uh, even into the sixth, he was hitting like 95. And he, he pitched exclusively out of the stretch just because of some uh, some mechanical issues. He doesn't feel comfortable complete from the windup. But he's a Tommy John guy, real inspirational story. His dad, Tracy Shepard, uh, passed away several years ago, so he has his dad's name stitched on his glove and you'll see him look at that glove you'll see him turn around and at the uh at, in, in center field point to the sky and, and he shows a lot of emotion out there so real inspirational story uh but you look at what he did today throwing against uh probably a third rounder in alec marsh and he contained torkelson bishop and ha and hovner 56 home runs between those two guys this year somewhere in the 340 range batting average they went two for ten against Gabe Shepard wait say that one more that stat one more time between those three guys for Arizona State so Arizona State Spencer uh, Torkelson 21 home runs hit his 22nd today uh, Hunter Bishop 347 22 home runs Hovner 13 home runs all of them bat if you combine their averages they bat about 340 uh, and 56 home runs between all three of them and uh, they went two for ten today and Southern Miss just cruised to a win. Uh, boy, Matt Walner's picked it up, hasn't he? He is uh, the hottest. Uh, this has probably been one of the hottest stretches of his career. His freshman year, he got hot really in, in late April. Uh, but what he's done, I mean, today, I mean, you know, Rippy, Rippy said it. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable what the, the raw power, um, you know, that, that he has. It's exciting to watch. Uh, you know, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you're extremely happy, but – Kind of reminiscent the last few uh, regionals Southern Miss has been in. In the 16 Tallahassee regional, you beat South Alabama 14 to two in game one, and then you you get eliminated by South Alabama <laughs> uh, a day or two days later. And uh, last year you beat DBU in game one, and then you get put out by DBU. So the Golden Eagles, um, you know, no no time to uh, you celebrate it for a couple hours, and then you get ready uh, to take on Stony Brook or LSU tomorrow night. But e- either way, it should be electric in Tiger Stadium. You going to be watching that game tonight, or some beach somewhere? Yeah, I'll be I'll be doing that, and I'll be thinking of y'all while I'm doing it. <laughs> For some reason, I don't believe you. Me neither. Uh, okay, at at seven thirty tonight, I'll randomly text you, Borky, wherever I am. Okay, it may be on a putt putt, uh, goofy golf course. It may be eating mahi mahi, but I will at seven thirty tonight. I will text you. Did you see that video, by the way? I don't know how much of a, a beach swimming guy you are, but the the video, I think it was Orange Beach, where 
it, it was somebody at the very top of a hotel or a condo complex, like 40 rows up, had their camera zoomed in to somebody swimming, just like this older lady, just kind of, you know, just uh, just paddling along there in the ocean, just enjoying her day, head above water, and there is a shark that's longer than her swimming underneath her, and it, it actually goes completely underneath her and then back out into the deep water, but she's just swimming. I mean, this this video came out like yesterday or the day before, and she's just swimming along. Very comforting here, here in our condo when you walk in, uh, walk in, there's a uh, Jaws poster on, on the wall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm facing that also. Yeah, so just uh, look down when you're out there for a swim because apparently they're coming for you. It's it's wild. I, I stay within probably 50 yards of the beach. That's that's my extent of my golf swimming. But, yeah, we'll keep on the lookout, and uh, and I'll be sure to get some rays for you all. We appreciate it. Enjoy yourself down there, man. And uh, to the top, great win today. To the top. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. It's Luke Johnson in the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. A 15-3 win at Alex Box there in Baton Rouge. Southern Miss beats up on Arizona State. So we're going to turn the page next now uh, to something that we talked about yesterday. If you listened to the show yesterday, you heard this. We were debating the merits of whether or not the SEC should allow the sale of beer and, and as it turns out, wine as well in their stadiums. They voted on it today. And the vote passed. It wasn't unanimous, though. Alabama, as of right now, will not be serving beer in their stadium coming this season, as well as Mississippi State will not do so. Sounds like Ole Miss is going to go the other direction, so we'll break it all down, tell you how the vote shook out, what it means. They have put some guidelines on this as well. Everything you need to know about the potential upcoming sale of alcohol in stadiums in the SEC and a Mississippi State law that could prevent Ole Miss and State from doing so, even though there's a workaround. I'll give you all the details next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Trent in the Delta lets us know that that shark video I was talking about was from Panama City, so not Orange Beach where Luke is, so Luke's safe for now. But I'll try to explain this video to you. I mean, I, I guess I did a decent enough job so you know what I'm talking about. But this person, and they are not far off the beach. This is not somebody that's way out there. I mean, they could probably, if not stand, at least, I mean, they're just off the shore. It is not far. And this person's just casually swimming, head above water, just kicking, just paddling their arms and kicking their legs. And you see the this, this shadow of a shark come up behind her swim right underneath her and when it's underneath her you can tell it's bigger than her then get underneath her swim right in front of her and then just take off out into the the open ocean and she never saw it one time she had no idea and the people that were on the balcony filming this probably should have been yelling down or something I don't know maybe warn somebody that there's a shark that's bigger than them that is swimming underneath them just for a heads up but I guess uh, you couldn't post that on Facebook so yeah, and like, what do you do once you see that video and you realize that's you? Like, do you go to the casino? Like, I, like that would, <laughs> I couldn't decide if I would want to see that, honestly. I would go straight to church. Yeah, that's that's probably a better option. And <laughs> just say a lot of thank yous, I guess. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. We'll check in with Haydad a little bit later. Uh, he is still in press conferences right now to recap Mississippi State and Southern. Uh, a close win but a win nonetheless for Mississippi State. So this is something, I teased it before the break, 
we talked about yesterday, and now it, it has come to fruition. You are now, and by you I mean the schools in the SEC, are able to sell beer and wine in their stadiums for all sporting events, not just football. All sporting events. But they did put in some guidelines, and here's what they are. They have to be sold and dispensed at designated stationary locations. So you can't have somebody like you see at NFL games uh, with like a, a strap around their neck and carrying around a cooler and selling them. Can't do it that way at all. There, there can be no moving vendors. It has to be at a designated location. They may not be sold in the seating areas. It has to be in the concourse. An ID check is required at every point of sale to present or prevent sale to minors, obviously. Uh, they are limited to only beer and wine, so no hard liquor may be sold whatsoever in the stadiums. If you are one of those people that has um, like a box seat or something, that will not change. So the policy for you and, and your locker and stuff, that's not changing. This is just for the, uh, the average Joe. The alcohol must be put into cups, so you cannot give somebody a can or a bottle of, of beer or wine. It has to go into a cup. Um, there will be special training for the servers, and there will be a limit to the number of drinks per individual, and I think that limit will be two. They also will stop the sales at football games at the end of the third quarter for basketball. 12 minutes to go in the second half, so the 12-minute TV timeout. Uh, for men's basketball and for women's, it will be the end of the third quarter. In baseball, it will be the top of the seventh inning. In softball, the top of the fifth inning. And for every other sport that isn't laid out that way, after 75% of the game has been completed, that's when they will cut off sales. A couple of other notes on this. Uh, Mississippi State, according to Ross Dellinger, who's on the ground, he's been the, the key reporter in all of this. He's uh the alcohol news breaker, at least it seems. He said, do not expect Mississippi State to be one of the schools that will open up alcohol sales inside of the stadium. Uh, there is a preventative law in the state of Mississippi that stops them from doing that to begin with, although there is a workaround I'll tell you about in a second. Mark Keenum said, if others want to do it, it's up to them, but he is not in for 2019. So Mississippi State, according to Ross Dellinger, uh, will not do this this fall at least there will be no alcohol sales in Mississippi State stadiums at least in the short term in Mississippi there is a preventative law but that law does not have to change in order for Ole Miss and Mississippi State to serve in their stadiums they can apply for something called resort status it's a work around the state law that prohibits the sale or possession of those kind of beverages within our stadiums here in the state of Mississippi Ole Miss was actually planning for this, and they already have resort status, and there's been a lot of questions about whether or not it applies to sports or, or something like that. According to Keith Carter, the interim athletics director, Ole Miss has resort status. It does apply to athletics, and therefore, if they decide to implement it, which you don't go through the process of the resort status unless you plan on doing so, uh, Ole Miss has that capability. As far as we know right now, and if, if you have any other information, I've asked around, and, and all the answers I've gotten are Mississippi State does not have that resort status yet. They can apply for it, and I imagine they would probably get it pretty quickly. But as of right now, Ole Miss is set up to do it. Ole Miss has received resort status. Mississippi State does not have the desire to do it. And as far as I know, and if you know differently, correct me if I'm wrong, they will not 
or have not applied for that resort status and do not have it yet. So that is where we are right now, Rippy. What, in three years, all 14 SEC schools will be selling alcohol at their stadiums, maybe less? And Tim and McGee, he probably texted this to us before uh, I got to that point, but he said, I just don't think the legislature would pass the sale of beer in stadiums. Um, He mentions that they had to go through a special session. Yeah, there is that workaround. And I do think, though, if that workaround didn't exist, when it comes to money, and especially money to fund and line the pockets of these people, they would have they would have made it work. It would have maybe not happened right away, but that law would have gotten changed, in my opinion anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ole Miss has already, like you said, worked around it. I just I have a hard time believing State will stand firm on this once they see the money other people are making. And I imagine the majority of their fans are going to end up wanting to be able to buy beer at stadiums. So... I think in a couple of years, this will pretty much be a uniform thing across the covers. Do you not think the same? Yeah, especially if, let, let's say, because of course this is how things are measured, if um, Ole Miss makes a good bit of money on this, Mississippi State fans will not allow for very long their school to not make that kind of money as well. There will be some kind of pressure applied if Ole Miss doesn't and Mississippi State doesn't and Ole Miss reports... Uh, high earnings on the profits that you're right that will not last for very long Don and Don in Pittsburgh says state almost doubled southern score and you say it is close well Don did you watch the game because I did that game was close that game was tied in the top of the seventh that is a close baseball game I I don't know if whether or not us saying that actually really offended you, but yeah, that was a close baseball game, and Mississippi State had to go to arms out of the pen that they were not planning on going to today. Yeah, it was closer, far too close for comfort considering the opponent in your home regional. Mississippi State still got the win. Everything's all good. It's all good. They're in the winner's bracket. They're probably going to make it through their regional just fine. But it was a close game today. Much too close for comfort, and they had to use arms they weren't planning on using. That is a close game. Am I off base? Uh, no, that was definitely a close game. Like you said, it was tied in the seventh. I don't like. I'm not really following this one. We had text here. So, are you guys now going to start fighting for hard liquor? No, no. I, I think uh, this is the perfect compromise for what we've been talking about with this the entire time. Because aside from the revenue that it will generate, which will be really significant, multiple. Major colleges, West Virginia was the first, Texas, Ohio State, have all reported that when they sold just beer in stadiums, alcohol-related incidents, arrests, hospital visits went down. They went down because people are less likely to binge drink hard liquor or drink it at all because they get the beer in the stadium. So no, we're not going to abdicate for that because this is a perfect solution for a lot of problems. It will generate revenue. It will incentivize people continuing to go to games, whether uh, maybe it's a bad opponent or the weather's bad or whatever. It just gives you another reason to want to go to the game. Not having it there is a deterrent for some people. Maybe not everybody. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the perfect solution to the declining attendance problem across the board in college sports. But it will help a little bit. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely help. Um, and like you said, it, it, there's been studies and, and it, there's been like produced results that show a decline in alcohol-related incidents. And so, no, I would not advocate for hard liquor to be sold at, at a college stadium. That's probably a recipe for disaster. But yeah, that's, beer, I think this is fine. Yeah, I think so, too. Get a text from the 601 Ole Miss Resort Status Excluded Athletic Events. Their athletics director today said that is not the case, that they are covered. Um, I I know that that was the initial news reporting back in the day when they got this, and it kind of flew under the radar because the SEC still had the ban. But Keith Carter did say today that they have that, and they're going to move forward at least exploring this option, which means that they're going to do it. That's why they got the resort status in the first place. But it does, according to their, their athletics director, apply to sports. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Dan in Charleston says, just tuning in, what was the score to that Southern Miss game? 15-3 in favor of the Golden Eagles. They took care of Arizona State. And by the way, that Matt Walner home run that we were talking about, the one that hit the national championship banner behind the bleachers at Alex Box, 460 feet on that home run just an absolute tank moonshot whatever you want to call it whatever the, the the kids are calling it these days Matt Walner sent a baseball to New Orleans it seems like in that game uh, but we're going to turn the page to Mississippi State right now and Brian Haydad joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line check out favorites.com and go with the home team somewhere in the guts of the new dude where Haydad for a while Really tense atmosphere there. Southern gave uh, Mississippi State all they could handle today. Yeah, 100%. The, the crowd was definitely uh, very tight throughout that game, a game that saw State you know, get the lead, and it was tied. They got the lead again, it was tied again. Then Southern gets the lead. It was just so back and forth early on uh, until State was finally in the final two innings able to put the game to the rest. But you see that score 11-6, to six, you might think, oh, State had it all lead. Absolutely not. Southern came to play. That's a pretty good baseball team. We knew they had already beaten LSU uh, in the in the in the regular season, and they show that they're they're a team. You know, tomorrow in that losers bracket game, they'll, they'll be a force to be reckoned with with their their actual best pitcher going for them. So, uh, so they might not be done at this regional. But Mississippi State very very fortunate to get to the winners bracket. And Mississippi State had to use some arms today, but part of that is because JT Ginn had an unexpected early exit. What was the indications? of that injury, they told us during the game that it was just soreness. Is that what they told you after the game? That is what Chris Lone has told us after the game, just a soreness issue that they thought. Ginn told him that he thought he could pitch through it, but he could tell the discomfort was there. And so Lamontis just decided to play it safe. They felt pretty good about their bullpen. Obviously, you know, when you make that move and you bring in Brandon Smith, you're bringing in the guy in you think would have to go a possible game four if you can't get it, stay in the winner's bracket. Um, and, of course, he didn't pitch very well. He was put into a really tough situation there. Um, so, uh, you know, But you can't foresee that. You, know, you can't foresee him getting hurt. You certainly can't foresee Smith not being as effective as he's been the last couple of times out. Uh, he's shut down for the rest of the regional. There's no – even though he didn't throw but 32 pitches today, yeah, they won't bring him back this week. They'll take it easy for him, and you won't see Jake again unless uh, MSU advances into the Super Regional round. Uh, Adam tweets into us and says, the game was too close for comfort for almost a full eight innings. Yes, they used some arms they weren't planning to, but only one of them, talking about Jared Liebelt, wouldn't be able to go tomorrow if needed. Do you think, I mean, he should be able to come back at some point this weekend, I mean, Sunday or or even definitely Monday if that is needed. 
Yeah, if you make it to, if it goes all the way to Monday, Leadoff could definitely come back. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't get an inning out of him or so on, on Sunday. But Cole Gordon will definitely still be available. Brandon Smith, I think today was just, you know, he wasn't expecting to come into the game. If you go back and watch, you know, Ken is out on the mound, and then they take him off. Brandon Smith wasn't even warming up, so he had no indication what was about to happen. That's a tough spot for a freshman to come into. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody is still going to be available. And, of course, you know, Ethan Small can render some of this discussion moot if he just goes out tomorrow and throws seven or eight strong innings and, and you know, limits what MSU needs from his bullpen in the winner's bracket game. And that's not really a tall ask either. I mean, that's something that he's fully capable of doing. Well, I mean, it's to the point now where you would expect it. You would expect Ethan Small to go out there and give you a, at least, you know, six, seven strong innings. They might try to push him a little further tomorrow, and he's a veteran guy, and he, he knows how to handle his arm. And, and if, it's, if it's a problem, he'll just come out. But I would think that they would love to see Ethan Small go seven or eight tomorrow. Maybe give Colby White an inning. He, he didn't pitch all week at the SEC tournament. This one can shake a little bit of the rust off. Then, of course, if you got a big lead, maybe you can hold him and throw somebody like a Jack Egan or Eric Sarantola. We'll see what happens in the with the game tonight between Miami and Central Michigan and see who uh, the Bulldogs are matching up with. But in the end, the if it's if you want to call it a gamble, I don't think I would because Small is never going to pitch game one in the situation. But it does pay off. You've got your A set for the winners bracket game to put you into Sunday with a chance to win the region. Is there um, anything wrong with Jake Mangum? Somebody asked me about that, and I'm just like, even if there is something wrong, and I don't think there's anything wrong with him physically, but what are you going to do? Drop him in the batting order? No. Take him out of the lineup? He'll, he, he, I think he might literally attack Chris Lomas if that happens. So, I mean, all you can do right now is just let him play. One of the guys who was in a slump today was Jordan Westberg. He came out of it a little bit, had a couple of walks, and then had the big RBI single that broke the game open there in the later innings. You just got to hope for the same from Mangum because what do you, you can't really do anything with him. It's, it's a little late in the game to tell him, let's change your approach or, or anything like that. So I have confidence when Mangum will figure it out. He, he had a couple of good swings today, just couldn't find the, the, the ball, you know, and, and put it into play. But I, I really do feel like it, it's not going to be much longer for him to break out. What is the plan on the mound tomorrow after Ethan Small? Let's just pretend he goes six complete innings, but for some reason has to throw 115 pitches. Who comes in after him? That's a good question, because uh, Colby White's definitely a guy you don't want to bring in until like the eighth or the ninth inning. They might go to Jack Egan. They could probably still come back to Cole Gordon, although they probably wouldn't want to. Uh, Saratola, his last two outings have been pretty solid. He was okay at the SEC tournament. Maybe he could give you an inning. Uh, beyond that, Keegan James, but uh, the thing with Keegan James now is, are you trying to hold him for a potential start in, in game four, or do you feel confident you can go back to Brandon Smith? So James or Brandon Smith to be the guys. They still got some options out there for sure, but they're not. They're not. You know, scrambling. I don't think Mangum's going to get an inning or anything like that. But like I said, obviously, best case scenario is that Small is able to deliver at least seven tomorrow, and he should be okay from there. It's probably a really dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who would they prefer to see tomorrow, Miami or Central Michigan? It's not that dumb a question because you know you you think it would be Miami because they're the higher seeded. Or you know, sorry, you think it'd be Central Michigan because Miami is the higher seeded team, uh, the high RPI. Uh, was in the hosting discussion. They play in a power conference, but Central Michigan is just an intriguing theme to me. They've won 18 straight baseball games coming into tonight, and the other thing that they are they are very aggressive on the base paths. They have 88 stolen bases on the year. Uh, now Dustin Skelton uh, has been really really good behind the plate. His uh, his uh, Caught stealing today was part of a strike. I'm going to throw him out in the first inning where he gunned down the Southern runner by a, a good, 
I mean, we're talking about yards. You know that scene in Major League where Willie Mays Hayes slides? Come on. Come on. That's, that's what we were talking about. That's how far out that got. So, I think they'd rather see Central Michigan, but Central Michigan is no pushover. They are a good baseball team, and uh, they could give MSU trouble uh, if they get to that winner's bracket game. Uh, there was a slide today. I, I must have missed it. I don't know how I missed it, but I must have missed oh, it. Man. Explain it to us. Okay. So uh, Hatcher hits a, uh, an RBI double that makes the game. I think it's 6-4 to four at that point. He tries for two, and he's dead. They've got him. And in the slide, he picks his leg up over the guy's glove, the second baseman's glove, or shortstop's glove, and brings it down on top of the base before the guy can get the glove up. And I've never seen anything like that. We all, in the, you know, in the, in the press box, they're, they're going to review it, and we're all like, oh, he's out. He's out by a mile. Then we see it, and, you know, let's be professional and not do much in the press box. But as soon as it happened, it was, it was like this mask. Whoa! I've never seen anything like that slide in my life. So I give credit to Hatcher. I, he had to have meant to do it is the best part. He, he, he had to have had the awareness, the presence of mind, to get his leg up over the glove and get in there safely. Whew. Good crowd today. I mean, they announced, what was it, just over 8,800, which uh, when the NCAA runs these kind of things, they do get actual butts in seats instead of tickets yeah. distributed. So hey, there were some empty seats scattered that I saw, but for noon on a work day, didn't look too bad. We all saw in the press box, you know, they, 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 they play a little attendance guessing game with us. Rip, you probably wouldn't be very good at it. And we all thought 10,000 plus. Uh, and it ended up being 8,800. But, yeah, like you said, I thought it was a good crowd. Once State got control of the game, it was a, the crowd really got into it, and they took over those, those last few innings. And I think they gave State that little extra, little extra juice to, uh, to finish something off. I guessed it on TV on the number, hey, Dad, exactly correct. Exactly correct, that man said. <laughs> he was studying, like, that uh, Price is Right documentary. Have you guys seen that yet? Well, no, I have not. What it, it, ju- it just came out recently. It's on Netflix if you, if you want to watch it. It's some guy, and I have no idea who this guy is, but some guy went on The Price is Right and won literally everything. He got his guess on the initial bid item exactly right. I mean, like he was some kind of Price is Right like ringer. And there's a documentary yeah. about it. It's fascinating because he studied the show for like a decade. And like made spreadsheets and and like did film study before he went on the show and got everything wow. right. So that's kind of what happened here. Rippy just studied attendance figures and you know got it exactly right. Sat there and counted them all. I don't know. Passion for the craft. Why the doctor? <laughs> uh, so we're up against a hard break here, but coming back, Mississippi State. This probably flew under the radar with you because you were watching the baseball game, but they got a big commitment today on the football side. Not a recruit. Well, I guess technically it's a recruit, but a transfer. A guy that has experience on a team that doesn't throw the football very well, catching a lot of passes, and a transfer to play wide receiver at Mississippi State, which is something that they desperately needed, and they got it. guy with big-time experience in a Power 5 conference will tell you who it is, will tell you how important he is, and uh, his numbers. All that coming up next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi. So I just had a a great conversation 
Rusty Hanna is a chief of ABC, picked up the phone and called us to clarify some of the things on this new alcohol situation with the SEC. And I got to tell you, it is confusing. It is extremely confusing how you have to work around all of this. It, I mean, he explained it to me and explained it to me very well, but I probably couldn't relay it to you the way he did me. So basically what I'm going to say is generally we are correct that there is a workaround somehow. It's not as simple as I said it is basically what it comes down to, but there is a potential workaround that they can do to sell beer and wine in the stadium, but there is a law in place that could prevent it, but there is a workaround. They are in place. The the We can call it infrastructure, I guess, is set up to do so in Oxford, not, at least right now, in Starkfold. So, hey, Dad, uh, I know you saw this news. I, I imagine that um, with your new job and what you do now, you can't really get excited about it because you have to watch from the press box every game anyway. I mean, it's just a quick elevator ride down to the concourse. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, not that difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's big news. You know, we saw Dr. Keenum's statement already. He said that, that the only fixed state to sell this year. But, I mean, that makes sense to me because, I mean, it's not just a simple of, okay, we're going to do it. you got to install equipment, cap lines. you got to make the, you know, these contracts. So, I think, yeah, state will probably take the year off, and it looks like that Alabama and Auburn are going to do the same. I don't know about the rest of the conference. And, you know, in 2020, they'll, they'll revisit everything after the season. Or, you know, even at the end of the 2019 season, do they want to start moving forward? And I fully expect them that you at some point will find a way to get beer into Davis Wave Stadium and their other, uh, 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 other facilities. All right, let's talk a little football here. Isaiah Zuber is a name that probably not a household name here in Mississippi, but he's a wide receiver with a ton of Power 5 experience at Kansas State in the Big 12. Yeah, and made his uh, commitment to as part of the grad transfer to come to Starkville and play his senior season at Mississippi State. So you got to give Joe Moynihan a lot of credit. You know, his recruiting class was good, but it lacked a couple of impact guys. He's gone out and made that happen through the transfer market. Obviously, bringing in Tommy Stevens is, is, is a huge addition for Mississippi State at quarterback. And then they needed a, a proven wide receiver, and they went out and got one in Zuber. A guy whose career has caught 127 passes. For an offense that doesn't throw the ball a whole lot up there at Kansas State, Bill Snyder, not exactly the uh, from the Mike Leach school of offensive philosophy. So a good player, you know, six foot, 185 pounder, can play on the outside, but can also do some things in the slot. And State just needed some guys out there. You know, you'd like to see Gidry and Mitchell take some steps forward, and in their second year as as starters. But you know, to bring in a, a guy like this, it's just again sort of like Tony Stevens. It's a no brainer. You do it, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But in all likelihood, you just added a nice piece for the 2019 season. That's a, I mean, a really good point about Kansas State because we saw that team last year. They did not throw the yeah. football very well. And he's a guy that had what, 620 receiving yards and, and five touchdowns on 12 yards per reception last year on a team yeah. that couldn't throw the football very well. I mean, State would have killed to have a guy do that on their team last year. And, you know, just to have a guy like that that they could feel confident about. And I've seen some people on social media say, well, I, I, when State played them, he didn't have a very good game. Well, I, I mean, I'll hold my breath and list it while you list the receivers that had really good games against the Mississippi State defense. It's a very short list, I promise you. That was the number one defense <laughs> in the country. Don't take anything that happened in that game with State against State defense uh, as, a, as a reason not to be excited about this. This guy obviously has produced in Power 5 games, which is something that, for the most part, you can't say about any receiver on the MSU roster. 
I've thought of a couple. So this is a big addition for Joe Moorhead. You know, we, we talked about you know the defense this year. It's obviously going to take a bit of a step back, but they should still be really good. How much better could they be offensively? He's added two pieces that make you think, okay, maybe some things are falling into place for Joe Moorhead. It's basically a double self-own when people say something like that because, one, you're, you're <laughs> trashing your own receiver, and, two, you're saying your defense last year wasn't good enough to shut down a receiver. Exactly. That defense was fantastic. They shut down everybody. They shut down A.J. Brown. Jerry Judy didn't have a huge game. D.K. Metcalf, once again, I was hurt. But I, I, I digress. <laughs> no it just didn't happen. Games against MSU's defense. This is part of the plan. So, I, I wouldn't call them transfer-reliant, but that offense, I mean, if, if they're going to meet expectations in 2019, a couple transfers have to really perform. They do. They do. I mean, but it was, you know, you, you wanted to bring in a couple of guys that had some, some, some experience, especially with the quarterback position. You know, Stevens knows the Moorhead offense. There's no more. There's the question of, well, when he gets his own quarterback in here, that question is gone now for Joe Moore. So it puts a little extra pressure on him. Now he's got some pieces. He's still got Kylan Hill. The offensive line should still be pretty good. There's no reason not to be better offensively. Again, it's not about being the best offense in the SEC. It's not about averaging 50 points a game. It's just about being consistent and being you know, better. Can you average 24 points per game? Because you're going to say that doesn't sound like a lot today in college football, but it would have had State undefeated in the regular season last year. <laughs> Thanks, hey Dad. Uh, enjoy Central Michigan and Miami tonight, and we'll uh, talk to you Monday. See you soon, Bob. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Five o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can text the show on the C Spire text line 601 879 4395. C Spire does remind you, please do not text and drive, be a part of the show. But do so safely. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Getting ready for regional action tonight. We've done a bunch of recapping of the games that went on today. Southern Miss's big win, uh, big by score margin, uh, especially over Arizona State. Mississippi State, little close for comfort for a little while, but took care of business against Southern today. Uh, right now in Oxford, you've got Clemson and Illinois going. Clemson has a 4-3 to three lead in the bottom of the sixth. Illinois is the home team in that game. So far, uh, no delays in any regional, at least the ones that we care about, but there are some uh, weather issues across the country, Rippy, especially in North Carolina, where UNC Wilmington and the host, North Carolina, are tied at six in the ninth inning, and there's a weather delay. Yeah, I was noticing that. I was wondering how the... Uh the Chapel Hill Regional was going on that long because Campbell and NC State have been in a 5-4 game and appears to be the eighth inning for like three or four hours now in a lightning delay. And I don't think those two places are farther, far apart, but you have probably a better geographical handle on the Carolinas than I do. Yeah, so Chapel Hill and Durham are extremely close to each other, but Raleigh's not all that far either. So you have the, the tobacco road thing between those two, but NC State's kind of the redheaded stepchild, and naturally they're color is red but uh, that's all generally in the same area the thing is Greenville is not exactly close to those places and well that's the thing Rippy they're in Greenville they're not in Raleigh where NC State yeah is. but that's we uh, we discovered on the podcast the other day that's Greenville North Carolina yeah which is pretty far away so they, they okay. must be having significant weather um, across the state there Greenville's pretty close to the coast uh, Raleigh's up kind of in the middle of the state. Greenville is more of a, a coastal place. You can get in the car and drive, you know, quick drive and spend an afternoon at the beach if you want to. 
uh, if you're East Carolina. But yeah, weather no. affecting those games up there. Looks like Clemson may, I mean, excuse me, Illinois may be threatening or maybe my score apps behind. Did you say that's in the seventh or sixth? It's the bottom six. You got first and second with one out there, uh, Illinois batting in the bottom. So that's uh, that's all you need, Rippy, is this game to be tied and go a couple extra innings and delay your start and keep you at the ballpark until after midnight. Yeah, if this gets to the eighth, I'm going to need some cat to find a fastball really quick because I, I, we don't need extra innings. <laughs> so a couple of things. we uh, If you're just joining us, the SEC did pass uh, the ability to sell alcohol in stadiums starting effective August 1st. So really starting this fall with football season. I guess soccer starts a couple weeks before, uh, but it's been it's been passed. It wasn't unanimous, but it got passed, and there are some provisions that they added to it. And uh, some schools are opting out of it, at least for right now. You heard Haydad just say that Mississippi State, at least for now, is opting out of it. They're not alone. Alabama, as far as we know right now, will, will not offer the sell of beer or wine in their stadium this year. Uh, Georgia was one of those outspoken uh, against it. We got a couple of texts on that note, and uh, I do want to bring them to you right now, if I can find them. Here we go. David and Macomb. And this is a sentiment from the people that are anti-this, that are that are very much against this. He said, so those opposed to alcohol sales in stadiums are to swallow their views in favor of the almighty dollar. said, after all, that's what it's about, right? Family atmosphere be damned. We have enough drinks in stadiums now. Who assumes the liability of DUI-caused accidents involving fans whom the school sold them the alcohol? And There's already been people drinking at games for years. Well, that, and it's not a problem in the NFL, Major League Baseball... Uh, NBA, Major League Soccer, when the United States national soccer teams play here, it's not a problem at Ohio State or Texas or West Virginia or Illinois or Maryland or Indiana. I mean, there is over 30, I think, Division One programs that sell alcohol in their stadiums, and they have seemed to all have figured out how to do this with whatever liability risks that they have not be I don't know I mean I don't know how it works because I'm not I'm not an athletic director I just know that it has worked in other places and it has functioned very well in other places it has curbed binge drinking in other places it has curbed hospital visits that those are that is not my opinion that is not that is that is factual evidence that Selling just beer in a stadium makes incidents go down. And on top of that, this idea that SEC football is a family-friendly atmosphere. Um, I don't know what games people are going to that say that they need to keep these games family-friendly. There's nothing family-friendly about SEC football. Nothing family-friendly about it. People bring their kids, but go inside of an SEC stadium and tell me that that is a family-friendly atmosphere. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. It's not. It's just not. That's okay. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I love going to football games. I love going to SEC football games. If you just pay attention around you, every stadium I've been to in my life, and it's been a lot of them, dozens of them, major college football programs, I had basically the same experience at every one. 
The game's a lot of fun. Tailgating's great. You're surrounded by intoxicated people. You are surrounded by people that use foul language. You are surrounded by people that are drunk and vile and say bad things. And sometimes there are shoving matches and screaming matches and people cuss the coaches and they cuss the refs. It is not a family-friendly atmosphere. It never has been. I have never been to a college football game in my life where I thought, this is a great family event. <laughs> the tailgating, maybe. Yes, the tailgate, and and look, because you can isolate yourself better in a tailgating environment. Absolutely, in the stadium, you're just locked in, and you can have. I mean, kids like the last Ole Miss game I went to. There was a four year old that sat next to us, so we made sure to you know watch our language and stuff. And a couple of us in our group snuck liquor in, and we made sure to hide it from the ch- so the child didn't see it. But all around us, you heard stuff, and you saw stuff. And the kid was oblivious to it because they were four, and they were distracted. The parents did the right thing and just let the kid have their phone, so the kid was sitting there playing on the phone and didn't see or hear any of it. But you're surrounded by it. You're not wrong or bad for bringing a child to an SEC game, but it's not a a family-friendly atmosphere. It never has been. It never will be. It's just not. It's a football game. And then you go down to Baton Rouge and have a kid like fi- a fifth year age giving you the finger. <laughs> Tell me you've had that happen before because I've been walking in a group that has. I had like a nine year old say a word that I'd not even sure I'd heard before. And for what it's worth, sidebar Jamie in Oxford says she used to live in Greenville, North Carolina, hour and 45 from Raleigh. So not, not a bad drive at all, but um, certainly makes sense that they are having equal weather issues. Yeah, glad that's not coming west. <laughs> hey, here's the difference between our text line and Twitter. Jamie and Oxford on the text line, I used to live in Greenville. It's an hour and 45 minutes, you know, and if you look at their old text, they're nice, good to us. On the Twitter feed, the coast is 90 minutes from Greenville, North Carolina. Don't you have a smartphone? <laughs> that probably surmises Twitter fairly accurately. Get a text from a 601, so drinking makes it all better. No, but... it's not the point. That's not the point. And the the thing is, they're already doing it. I, I Man, maybe I'm the one that's missing something, because I see this all the time. It's People are already doing it, my friend. Maybe you don't see it, because people have to be sneaky about it. But they're already doing it. And like I said, I, I've said it a hundred times... The sale of just beer in in college football stadiums has reduced incidents, arrests, hospital visits. It has reduced them because they're less likely to sneak or binge. But it's already happening. And it's happening in a more dangerous way. A way that you can't control. A way that you can't monitor. A way that you can't... um, What do you call it? Like, reduce the consumption. You can't do that right now. I don't know. I'll move on. I promise we'll move on uh, away from this. I just, uh, this is a no-brainer to me. A complete no-brainer. Revenue. Help with the declining attendance. And the facts and the numbers say 
that it curbs alcohol-related incidents and hospital visits. That's what the numbers say. It's a no-brainer. Glad this is happening, and it'll be in both stadiums here in Mississippi soon enough. We'll get back to baseball at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Mark, this song under under one of those that couldn't be written and performed today, that's for sure. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming live at supertalk.fm. Rippy, I watched a documentary. I'm a big documentary guy now, as it turns out. I think I have a bit of a problem, though. I watched a documentary last night that was exclusively about Led Zeppelin IV, their fourth album. That's all it was about. Watched the entire thing. Enjoyed it. Every second of it. Had a blast. I would watch it again. So you're on a documentary bender. Yeah, but it's exclusively been music stuff. Like, I watched one about Queen, um, which, by the way, Freddie Mercury is not the greatest rock musician of all time, but the greatest rock performer of all time. I've watched multiple Led Zeppelin, multiple uh, Rolling Stones. Uh, if you listen to Monday's show, I told you that, and a lot of people knew this, as it turns out. I didn't. I thought this was like a little-known fact, but the Rolling Stones, who wouldn't exist the way they do, same thing with Led Zeppelin, they would not exist, they would not have been as big as they are, they wouldn't have had their sound if not for the Mississippi Blues, uh, heavily influenced. Uh, most good rock music has influence from... Mississippi Blues. That's just how it how it works. But I did not know that Honky Tonk Woman was written initially about Jackson. Jackson, Mississippi. I had no idea. And I guess it's pretty common knowledge because Will East, I told Will that, and he looked at me like, yeah, you, you didn't know that? I did not know that either. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I, uh, I had no clue. But anyway, that's what I've been doing with my time lately and uh, been a lot of waste. I saw this headline today, and and it shocked a lot of people because of the way it was written. Adam Schefter of ESPN broke the news today that Chad Kelly, the former Ole Miss quarterback, was suspended for two games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. And the way he worded it did not indicate that it actually is stemming from what got him cut from the Broncos last year and not something new. So I read it and thought, wow. Chad Kelly's in trouble again. No, it's just uh, a residual effect of what happened um, a year ago when he was in Denver. You probably anticipated something like this was coming with the way the NFL polices things. But, yeah, I kind of had the same reaction initially. Well, actually, I kind of, like, as soon as I read the tweet and then clicked on the story, I was like, this has to be stemming back from that incident. But the question was planted, like, in my mind because of how terribly it was worded, to your point. I mean, he's obviously not going to start in Indianapolis. But do you think he ever works his way back to that that kind of a role? I mean, if he stays out of trouble, he, it wouldn't shock me if he were the backup quarterback. And then Andrew Luck, I mean, granted, there's a better offensive line around him now, but he's had a, you know at least a, hit, a pretty lengthy history of injuries or a injury that's kept him out a significant amount of time in what has been a fairly short career so far. So... Yeah, I don't think talent and like ability was ever the question with Chad Kelly. It was obviously just can he keep things buttoned up off the field. And he was probably pretty close from earning playing time last year 
with the way that season was going, the way Dude, Case Keenum was, was performing. Like, yeah, like you could kind of start here and read the rumblings, and, you know, he may have honestly been a week or two away, and then he got hit with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Something like that. And I've seen people in red columns and stuff, people suggesting that he's not smart. And when talking about his football abilities, like, oh, well, Chad Kelly has the talent to be a starter in the NFL, but he's not smart enough. And you have to distinguish the difference between a bad decision maker and lacking intellect. Because from a football standpoint, reading defenses, learning offenses, knowing the game, that dude is brilliant football-wise. I mean, he's Jim. He, he's a relative of Jim Kelly, and it shows the way he exists in a game of football, the way he reads defenses, how calm he is, like the game is really slow to him. The problem is he makes really bad decisions off the field. So the, the two things can coexist. He can be a really smart football player and make really stupid decisions at the same time. But I, I was reading about that today, and some the it was suggested that, well, he's not smart enough to make it in the NFL. That's not true, at least from a football standpoint. And a lot of guys have had trouble with their decision-making off the field and is still carved out at least moderately long careers. And things are never actually as cut and dry as you think they are. Like, I, I don't know a ton about Chad Kelly's background, other like aside from what I would imagine most people know. But, like, it, it, it's usually not as, as simple as people think. And there's a lot of forces at work that lead to some of the decisions he makes. Um, what we were on earlier this year at uh, North, we had a remote at Northwest, I think, for a football game. And Buddy Stevens is talking about how late he was diagnosed with ADHD. I don't think he was diagnosed until he got to scuba. I think that's right. I think he said that. Do you remember that at all? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's just there's a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not like, excusing the behavior or, like, going to bat for the guy, but I'm just pointing out it's usually more complicated than people think. Absolutely. Uh, George from West Point chimes in, and you can too, 601-879-4395. Text us, it's free, uh, on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Please do not text and drive, though. George from West Point says, the Rolling Stones got their name by using a Muddy Waters song, Rolling Stone. They literally named their band after a Muddy Waters song. Yeah, people will talk about music and what state has the best like musical lineup or whatever you want to call it. You hear these conversations all the time. The influence that the state of Mississippi had on modern rock music because of the blues, and I say modern rock music, but it was what they did to the bands in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and then what they turned modern rock into. You can point directly to the state of Mississippi for how rock music was shaped. I'm not even talking about Elvis. I'm talking about the blues. Two of... uh, I think Led Zeppelin's the greatest rock band of all time. The Rolling Stones are at least top five. They're my second favorite, but they're everybody, even if you don't like them, can at least appreciate that they are two of the most influential and powerful rock bands to ever live, and they got their origins and their roots and their style and influences from right here in Mississippi. And that is fact. Can't debate it. Tons of musical history here in general. You know, which is kind of interesting because, you know, this state, for all of its issues, does have some rich history and some very interesting areas. And that is that is definitely one. We're pretty good like that around here. We're also good at baseball. Rippy tonight, Ole Miss 
and Jacksonville State. We'll dive into this more after the break as well, but um, Southern Miss gets a big win today. Mississippi State gets a big win today. What are or what should Ole Miss fans driving to the ballpark right now, because there's a few of them listening to the show right now doing so, uh, from Jacksonville State, who are they throwing tonight? What can they expect from him? What kind of stuff does he have? Garrett Farmer, he, uh, he has good numbers. He struck out 104, and I think only walked like 15, 16 guys this year. Um, I don't know a ton about his stuff. I, I, I have not seen a bunch of like tape on him. I'm very limited, obviously, with Jacksonville State. And Mike Bianco kind of echoed the same thing. Is when you play these smaller schools, there's not as much tape readily available or or enough. But uh, there, he's a legit ace. Like I mean, they they have a top ninety RPI. Like they've beaten a couple SEC clubs. Like this is a legit workhorse. I think he has over a hundred innings on the year. So, you know. He's going to be a tough arm, but it's not anything Ole Miss hasn't seen, obviously, playing in the SEC, but it's it's not your typical inferior arm talent that you honestly kind of see when the in these 1-4 matchups. Like, he, he, he could give them problems, potentially, but I, I think if, you know, they play well, they will, they'll be fine. It's a bit of a loaded question, so we may have to roll it over after the break, but was there anything palpable, anything that you could see, obviously, or that was said to you, the difference between that Ole Miss team in Knoxville and that Ole Miss team in Hoover? Um, I mean, I, I wrote about this last week, and it, they just seemed a lot looser. Like, Mike Bianco was, you know, they had a lot of fun in the dugout. Mike Bianco was self-deprecating sometimes after games. He was cracking, he cracked a joke even after, I think, a loss. It just kind of stuff you don't always see. So I think they just played looser. And then once they, to me, that one nothing win against A&M is, as as pretty ugly whatever you want to call it it was like it was a tight game they got a you know a really good for performance from Doug Nicasey and then they saw Parker Caracy kind of look more like himself and so I think that just kind of gave them some belief that you know that you know they are a pretty good club they can pitch it well you know the offense will come around so it just seemed like a, a they loosened up after kind of getting off the losing streak at Tennessee I know they won the 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 last game there, but losing six to seven to close the regular season is a pretty, pretty tough slide. So they just seemed like a team that was looser and a team that kind of had maybe had its confidence shaken for a while and, and regained it a bit. But there was it was certainly a different team from the time they left Knoxville to the time they arrived in Hoover. Something clicked, and I'm not necessarily sure when, and I'm not sure they know either. But definitely, definitely a different attitude about them.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.